Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Total Car Score Podcast with Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and today we're starting 2021. We survived 2020. How are you, Lauren? I'm good. I, I can't believe we survived. What a long year. Carl? Glad to be on the other side of that. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, first day still, but uh, sure it's going to be much better. So today, to start the year, we wanted to invite three of our great friends from the automotive industry, Anton Wallman, Mike Harley, and Paul Bryan. So we're going to have a little discussion about what happened last year and what we think is going to happen in the next year. So how are you, Anton? Doing well, doing well. Excellent. I understand you are uh, closer to me than you were last year, right? Like you're from Miami, at least. Yeah, I'm uh, Miami plus one here in uh, Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico, that's great. We're going to talk about that. Michael Harley, you are in Southern California, right? Like I think maybe Carl th should introduce you because you're like neighbors right there. Uh, neighbors, I'm about 100 miles. You know, Southern California is a big place, uh, but 100 <laughs> miles apart from Carl, uh, probably a totally different climate and ecosystem. But yeah, Southern California. I'm Paul in Chicago. Maybe you you and Lauren are in the coldest weather right now. So how are you, Paul? Hi, everybody. Hi, Javier and Lauren. Yeah, yeah I'm here where it's cold because I keep better. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lauren, why don't you start? Because uh, we were talking about how to start the new year and all that, and you came up with this great idea. I think that it's fantastic to share ideas and conversations with other people. And actually, somebody once told me that the way you start the first of January is how the whole year should be. So if we're going to be in great company, this is a great idea. Uh, I yeah. thought we'd start off the uh, 2021 by bringing in three other experts that uh, we're good friends with, that each of us have expertise in our own areas. And the, I think this panel is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, please put that down in the comments or, or on our Facebook page and let us know what you think. Uh, so I wanted to start off the first question and we'll go round robin with this. Uh, what are you excited about for 2021 as far as new new cars, uh, new technologies and beyond, electric vehicles, plug-in hybrids, whatever that might be? Uh, we'll start with Anton. All right, Lauren. Well, I hate to bring you the bad news, but I'm almost excited about nothing for 2021 because <laughs> I think that we're going to have a absolutely terrible year in the automotive industry in which prices of the automobiles are going to have to be jacked up in order to pay for additional mandates that are being put on the automotive industry. We see this in multiple geographies around the world, but basically as uh, the governments around the world are uh, forcing the automakers to sell a certain mix of vehicles that are inherently more expensive than those that the consumers are willingly uh, purchasing in the open market. That means simply that prices are have, having to rise. So I think we're going to have to look into a year where the prices uh, uh, of all of these wonderful new products that are coming out are going to be a lot higher than most customers are going to stomach. Well, it's really good insight. Paul, what do you think? Well, uh, following that ray of sunshine, I, I can't argue with Anton at all from the perspective of uh, prices going up. We're, we're still kind of reeling from the effects of COVID over the past year. There, there's an awful lot of stores that are low on inventory because supply chains have been held up. Uh, most of the manufacturers are capable at this point 
of producing more. But you've got to remember that that the manufacturer where the cars are, sem- are, are assembled is kind of like the, the end of the train ride from a whole bunch of trunk lines that feed into it. And you can't, I'll use one of Lauren's quotes on this, you can't build 99% of a car. You, you've got to build the whole thing. And I think that uh, not only do we have supply chain problems right now, but but uh, also everybody's trying to peek into the future right now and trying to figure out where the heck we've been for four years with one administration with a radically different viewpoint of the auto industry and where it should be going by fiat or by mandate. Uh, and, and that's kind of up in the air right now. Interesting. Mike Harley, what do you think? Uh, I'm a bit of an optimist and I'm trying to put a COVID behind me in 2021, even though it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere soon. Uh, you know what I always look forward to in the new year, especially in 2021, is advancements in technology. I'm a big uh, tech geek. Uh, headlights. I mean, headlights over the past 150 years have gone from lanterns to incandescents. We had halogens. HIDs, and now it looks like just about everyone's offering LED headlights and starting to dabble with laser headlights. And uh, to me, headlights are a must-have. You know, I always buy the best headlights I possibly can for a vehicle. I want to see far down the road. It's uh, not only can you see further down the road, but you can see things on the road and other people can see you. So I'm a big fan of uh, keeping an eye open, literally, uh, for uh, headlight technology and tire technology. I think we are getting uh, much better tires in terms of performance, tires are getting more capable. Uh, winter tires are better. And uh, we're even seeing some really, really strong all-season tires. So you've got two technologies that are benefiting the entire industry top to bottom. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree with you. The laser lighting is really, really cool. All right, Carl, what are your thoughts? Similar position to what Mike said. I'm kind of a tech geek myself, as anyone who knows me knows. And I would say... Um, Instead of the individual components that Mike called out, I'm looking uh, at the imminent launch of alternative uh, drivetrains on the truck side. So we've been watching the electric car scuttle along for about 25 years now since the GM EV1 in the mid-90s. And it's never really taken off, as we all know. Uh, we're seeing some interesting moves, Mustang Mach-E, a lot of other stuff coming on the car side and the SUV side. But I'm waiting somewhat anxiously for the truck side. And I want to see if it works. And I think some specific automakers out there, uh, whether it's the Rivian or the um, the new Hummer now from General Motors, uh, I think we could start to see some interesting uh, electric-based trucks. And I'm not necessarily sold that they're going to be brilliant and solve all our problems, but I'm excited that we've reached this kind of new paradigm where that's kind of the next big thing. It's not an electric car or even an electric SUV, but it's an electric truck. All right, Javier, what do you think? Well, I have to agree with uh, Carl on the electric part. And actually, not only for the actual vehicles that we're going to be driving and getting to know next year, but actually the conversations with you because you don't like them. So we're going to have like really good discussions about that next year. (laughs) I think, um, yeah, like the pickup trucks are coming for sure. The GMC, Hummer, uh, the and all the other cars. So, and and really, if, if I'm completely honest and I remember correctly over the past few months, the most relevant vehicles have been electric. So I think we're going to keep going on that trend. And I think consumers actually finally are going to start to understand and learn and, uh, and be, be convinced about the good things about electric cars. I, I can't. I it's can't funny. Help. I can't help it. My inner talk show host is, is kicking in. 
Are, Javier, do you think these are the most relevant vehicles or the most talked about? I think both. I mean, like, uh, that's that's all we're seeing from most manufacturers. So uh, I don't know. Like, Lauren, what do you think? I mean, like, you're the last one to answer your own question. Well, I, here's my opinion. I'm looking forward to seeing some sort of merging of technologies rather than one being better than the other. Uh, I've noticed this in European vehicles, like they have a diesel hybrid, which we don't have here. Now, I know diesel had its issues, but uh, Volkswagen's still not giving up on that. But I think the merging of technologies, we're seeing a lot of plug-in, if you want to use it, hybrid technology that gives you that push off the line, but then gives you really nice vehicles that have performance and, and good fuel economy should be what we're seeing in the future. I, I'm a huge tech geek as well, like uh, Mike and Carl, and I love the integration. I, I find that you're seeing unique things like with the Polestar and the Volvo XC40 Recharge. You just put your foot on the brake and it knows you've got the key in your pocket and you take off. There's no more button. And so you're going to start seeing a lot of that. I just worry that there's too many nannies on some of the new vehicles. And I, I, I worry that car manufacturers think we want them, but people shut them off. So I think there'll be a lot of the transition to autonomy, but we're not going to see that. We're going to see a lot more electric cars, whether you want them or not. And just like Anton said, they're going to jack up the price of all the cars to cover that expense because of government regulations, whether you want them or not. Yeah, if you look so, at uh, some of the automakers like Mercedes along that note, Lauren, are doing an excellent job with the integrated motors, uh, the electric motor assist in Mercedes, a lot of their sedans and SUVs now. Consumers don't realize, but they're actually getting electric propulsion off the line, even though they're buying a uh, combustion vehicle. I think that's the future because right now the penetration for pure EVs still isn't there. Yeah, I agree so, with you. And I think that's a good good answer to the problem. But getting car manufacturers to wake up to that, they, they think it has to be plug-in only. And, hey, look at the sales. Last year, 2%. That's still, It's not enough, and it's not growing. Okay, so to sum up this topic, more expensive cars, more technology in the more expensive cars, and more expensive cars with a lot of technology with <laughs> electric uh, power train. <laughs> Whether you wanted yeah. it or not. Exactly. <laughs> Optimistic, huh? Yeah, we'll we'll be back with the second question. Welcome back to the Total Car Score podcast, uh, our first episode of 2021. And we're having this discussion with our colleagues. And uh, Carl, it's your turn. Throw us your question for the panel. Okay, mine's uh, hopefully a little more optimistic uh, than the last one uh, in that it's kind of a, a dream sequence or, or a idea that you would do with your car or a car that you'd like to do an adventure with. The specific question is, you get one vehicle to drive either from Los Angeles to New York or New York to Los Angeles. You can go start at either side and go the other side. Uh, you're going to drive by yourself on your own schedule. So you get to do whatever you want. You can try to beat the cannonball run record if you want, or you can spend two weeks trying to hit every cool tourist site or a combination of both. But you get one vehicle that you get to choose to do this in. So how how would you traverse the United States? You've got as much free time as you want, and someone's going to let you pick whichever vehicle you want that's out there, and not just new, any vehicle uh, ever to drive across the country. How would you do it, and which vehicle would you do it in? Let's start with Anton. What would you, uh, how would you do that across the country? I would get a brand new base Ford Mustang. And I would do that for a number of reasons. First of all, it's got the most comfortable seats. It's got a perfect seating position. 
And since I'm alone in the car, it doesn't need to be all that big. It has a wonderful geometry. And the base Ford Mustang is also a terrific value for the dollar. So for a uh, cross-country trip by myself, uh, it'll be the base four-cylinder Ford Mustang, brand new. And are you going as fast as you can or are you taking your time? Uh, somewhere in the middle. Uh, I am going to be uh, not doing too much speeding, but I'm also not going to drive like a really old person. So uh, a measured and balanced approach. Nice. All right. Um, let's go to Paul next. Paul, how would you how would you cross the country and in what car? Well, you know, all of a sudden we've got the uh, the added component in this question of, of any car from any time, or are we talking about re- yes, any car from any time. I mean, weren't weren't there two women that that went from New York to San Francisco in some old spoke uh, you know uh, early early model? Sure. You could do that. Well, I, I'm I'm a two time Cannonball veteran, so I've got more than a little bit of experience in this thing and, and I, ah this makes it better i'm glad we i'm glad we asked this and that you're on for this. <laughs> but uh, of of the new cars that are out right now i was going to opt for a porsche panamera turbo uh just because i've been a porsche guy for so long i love their product and i like this particular car because of the rear storage in it and, and stuff like that it's a wonderful car to drive however if you now open up the possibilities to other cars, I'm going with the 2018 Jaguar XJR. Mm. Just it's the closest thing to four wheels of what you'd see on a dock in Monaco. The interior styling on it was was very boat esque. It looked it reminded me an awful lot of a of a Riva speedboat. Wonderful ride. I'm guessing that gasoline is not a consideration, even though at regular cruising speed of 75 miles an hour or so, you're still only turning, what, 16, 1700 RPM, so it's going to loaf along a little bit. But I just love the ride of that car. I love the look of that car, and I wish that they would have sold more, that uh, more people could have enjoyed it. Excellent. All right. Nice. Uh, Mr. Harley, how would you do this, Mike? Um, you know, had a couple of minutes to think about this one. At first, I was going to jump on a Bentley Continental GT uh, convertible, just drop the top and cruise. Uh, but the more I thought about it, I've driven cross country several times. And every time I always feel I'm going too fast. And, uh, and I'm not talking, you know, 150 miles an hour. I just feel that I'm driving across the country too fast. I want to slow down and take my time. And I always look off the side of the highway and see things I really want to check out and usually don't have time or don't have the vehicle that's capable of doing it. So assuming Carl's paying for gas, right? I get your uh, shell card. Of course. Uh, I would probably go with a 2021 Ram TRX. And uh, because I sit up high, I can put a ton of stuff in the trunk and... You know, it's going to fit in with a crowd, so it's not going to be as obnoxious as a Bentley Continental driving down the road in some parts rural of America. And uh, anytime I look out across the plains, the Rockies, the rivers, whatever it's going to be, I can usually just, you know, turn the steering wheel right or left and get there. And uh, so I would go with the big, massive Ram TRX with 700 plus horsepower and a you know, all what, 8,000 pounds of it or whatever it is. But that would be my first choice, assuming Carl's paying for gas. <laughs> well, well so we're, hey, we're, we're journalists. Somebody's going to pay for the gas. That's right. You know, we don't, that's, we don't pay for our own food or gas. You know that, Mike. Someone else pays. Uh, all right. How about, uh, how about you, Lauren? Well, see, I was thinking new cars. 
So I will stop along the way because like Mike said, every time we do these cross country drives, because I usually ride with Paul Bryan, I always say, you know, oh, we should stop here. And we have. We've stopped at places to get beef jerky and all kinds of <laughs> crazy stuff over the years and, and stop for definitely Paul on some really unique eating areas. But for me, it's going to be the brand new Audi RS7. Uh, I like the performance. I want a cool ride. Uh, I want to stop wherever I want. I want to have enough trunk space to stop at my favorite premium outlets because I Paul knows where am I going to stop, Paul? Yeah, she's going to a Lulu store for sure as hell. <laughs> Lululemon and Puma, my stores. Yeah, but I, I do want to see some yeah. sights and yeah. I never get to stop. At the diners, dives, and drive-in places, which I love. And uh, I want something that gets good fuel economy, but not necessarily important because I will have a radar detector and I do plan on speeding. Nice. All right. Very good. Uh, Javier, how about you? Okay. I think this might be a surprise for everybody. I'm a, I will do it in a 1976 yellow AMC Pacer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a reason for that. One, we would make it. That's the first question. Well, yeah, the, well, they, they, it was used drugs in Miami. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was made in Mexico. If you if you remember for a while uh, by AMC Mexico, and my godfather was the head of AMC in Mexico. So it was of the first cars that I got in touch with and, uh, and like interested in. And, and recently, uh, I researched a little bit. Thir did you know that 30% of the body surface was glass? I mean, you can say it, but maybe you didn't know the number. So I would do it for that reason, like to how I started like getting interested in cars, even though some people think it's the ugliest car in history or one of the ugliest cars in history. No, the Pontiac so, Aztec takes the cake. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, Think about how many times I will be stopped and like have conversations with people and they will ask me why I'm doing this and what car is that and all these things. And like the photo opportunities, I'll be all over Instagram for like the whole trip. So I think, <laughs> I think uh, that will be cool. And then I will hope also that Mike Harley will be behind me in the TRX to rescue me. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I get a tow hook and, uh, and I'll bring extra water for you too. Cause you'll be dehydrated. <laughs> yeah. All that yeah. ultraviolet. Javier, you can, you can name that the, so you lost the bet tour. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's my choice. Straw. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, mine's going to probably surprise some of you and probably not surprise at all. Uh, some of the others on this call, but, um, I would pick a 1970 Plymouth, Superbird, uh, preferably with a either six pack or Hemi engine in it, but even the base 440 would get the job done. And uh, I would pick it because it's been one of my dream cars since I was a kid. I've never purchased one. They're not they're not inexpensive to put it mildly, but I always thought it was so cool that uh, Chrysler and Plymouth was even willing to put a car like that out as a street based car to help them win at NASCAR. And it is supposed to be an aerodynamic vehicle. And in theory, cruising at 60, 70, maybe even triple digit plus uh, uh, speeds would be that car's kind of perfect uh, util utilization because of its design. So I would love to have that, have a car like that and uh, preferably in a nice bright color and just going across similar to Javier, I think I'd end up in one or two uh, photos. And I'd love the idea of the contrast. You'd have people who have no idea what that car is and would still want to talk to you because they're like, what is that? It looks like a low flying spaceship because of the design. And you'd have people who know exactly what it is. And they'd be like, 
again, what are you doing? How are you driving this? And in both cases, I would have the same answer, which is look at this car. Does it look like it's supposed to sit stationary or does it look like it's supposed to be at minimum 70 miles an hour constantly because of the design? And that's what I'm doing all all across the country. And I would not try to do any kind of speed across the country at all. I would take my time and enjoy stopping at if in perfect world, I'd figure out and map out car events that were going on. And I would be hitting those as I went across the country and also seeing some tourist sites. And on occasion, when I know of certain parts of uh, certain roads and certain parts of the country where there's very little uh, traffic and very little people and very little constabulary, I might actually, you know, see exactly how it does feel at its speeds that were designed for going around NASCAR circuits. That's great. And uh, watch out for that yellow pacer on the side of the road. That might be broken. Uh, <laughs> make a list of all the gas stations because you're going to be stopping at lots of them. And you better oh, have yeah. a couple of repair shops with you, too, and maybe a couple <laughs> quarts of oil. <laughs> Excellent. So great, great, great uh, segment. I really enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to go back to the last segment and going back to COVID, unfortunately, because my question is related to that and what the future has for us after that. We'll be back. Welcome back to the last segment of uh, this first episode for 2021. And we're having this great discussion with all our colleagues here. And again, so my question for the panel is, uh, what are going to be the long uh, lasting effects of COVID, positive or negative, uh, in year 2021 and beyond? So let's start with Anton again. That's right. So the short-term effects are somewhat positive as people are less prone to want to get on buses, trains, and airplanes. They choose instead to drive in a regular car. So in the short term, this is a positive effect on the automotive industry. And as we look back onto last March, when everybody was predicting that this year was going to be an absolute catastrophe in terms of car sales, it turns out that while there was somewhat of a decline, It was not a gigantic decline, and this is the reason. Now, the long-term effects are going to be probably very negative because what has happened is that the economic response to the virus issue is going to reduce the standards of living in society overall and therefore reduce their ability to purchase automobiles in the future. We are printing a lot of money, governments around the world, that is going to increase the cost structure among the automakers to the point where those costs are going to outpace the ability of those individuals who are would-be car buyers to buy such cars. So the long-term effects, therefore, I think will be negative for the automotive industry, even though in the short term, we kind of dodged a bullet as people very swiftly uh, jumped into the automobiles instead of uh, riding on buses, trains, and uh, airplanes. Great. Interesting. Michael? Uh, following up on what Anton said, I think uh, it's it's mixed. Um, most people are avoiding public transportation. So the good news for the automotive industry is people are falling back in love with their cars. They're demanding more from their cars. Uh, they want more equipment, more luxury, more technology inside their cars because they're spending more time in their cars. Uh, so that's good for the industry in some way, but bad for consumers because, as we spoke about in one of the earlier segments, the prices are going to go upward. And we're talking, you know, thousands of dollars. We're not talking like a couple hundred dollars here or there, but uh, consumers are demanding more from the automakers who are more than happy to load them up with these packages of tech and things like that. So consumers are going to see uh, a lot more expensive cars as a result of the pandemic. 
and um, even though the automakers will be smiling. So it's mixed, uh, good and bad. Yeah, I think you're right about that, all those uh, points. Uh, Lauren, what's your predictions? Well, um, I, I know that uh, we've all kind of said this, but when you're looking at big cities, it was a huge transition of everyone going to mass transit and and Uber and Lyft and Rideshare and all. I think that's dead, uh, including those subscription services. They're just not going over well. It seems like the pandemic has caused people to want to escape. And a perfect example was um, because I do a lot of national TV, I've had more producers and hosts contact me with, I need a car now. I mean, like now I'm like, okay, like today. And so that seems to be for me, 2020 was me helping people find cars immediately. So there was also a shortage. Now we're going to see product coming in, product getting to the dealerships. Maybe we'll see some incentives. So I think uh, the used car sales are still on fire. I think that used cars are still going to be very popular. Um, And people that never thought they'd own a car are now going to own a vehicle. So that's good for the automotive aftermarket. So I see it from that perspective that that industry will stay strong. You'll see companies like Pep Boys and the individual guy uh, making money, which is good for the economy. Um, But I think that having that freedom, people aren't about to give that up. And it's funny because you look at countries and states that say, you're going to have to give that up. Like California, you're going to go all EV. Well, that doesn't work for every single person. And I think that there's going to be a pushback from consumers saying, listen, that was then, this is now, I'm not getting rid of my transportation. I want my ability to escape. And that may be an an additional pushback against EV because there's not enough charging for the infrastructure. And those who were stuck for the pandemic waiting in line to charge their vehicle were not very happy. So I think you're going to see a mix. I think it's good. Like I've said earlier, I think that uh, used car sales will continue to increase, which is good for the industry. And I think once new cars start hitting the lots, you'll see a, a better sales number by the end of the year. So I think at the end of 2021, we should, my prediction, and, and this is nothing calculated to calculate yet, as time goes on, we'll see. I'm going to guess somewhere around 16 to 17 million cars again. And Carl, you always do a lot of uh, analytics about that. Uh, so what, what do you think? Good and bad of the pandemic for the automotive industry in 2021? Well, I agree with a lot of what's been said. And I think, uh, you know, I, I joked about how, you know, a year ago, everyone was t- telling us all, hey, you know, personal car ownerships just so, so last, so last decade, come on. We're all going to end up just driving, uh, riding around in, in, in someone else's car. It's just such a silly thing. And then we had a little thing called the pandemic and everyone's perspective changed. So one of the other things is that the way you buy a car, and I'm sure uh, all of us on this call, especially Lauren, probably noticed this, but the ability to buy a car without going anywhere near a dealership already existed before the pandemic. I know because of where I was working, uh, you know, uh, in the last few years, they had digital retailing, they have digital retailing, but none of the dealers wanted to use it. The dealers want you on the lot, you know, they want you where they can physically see you and some might say physically intimidate you, but whatever, the dealers want you on that lot. And they all totally shrugged off the idea that you could start getting people set up for financing and insurance and even maybe helping them on a test drive by bringing the car to their house. All that stuff, you know, was like, eh, yeah, we're, you know, just come down a lot, come down a lot, come down a lot. Then the, again, pandemic hits and all those dealers realize, oh, it's either virtual retailing or no retailing. I guess I know what I'm going to do now. And we watched 
all the digital retailing, uh, leveraging that technology and capability spike across dealers and other uh, and other vehicle uh, retailing, you know, parts of the retail chain. And that's not going to change. That's not going to evaporate just when the just because we can we're all allowed to go back to dealers. All the people who've been buying their shoes and their clothes and their food from uh, their computer screen and not wanting to have to leave their house to go do it and have been wondering why they have to still do that for their car. Now they know they don't have to do it. It's been proven and they're going to demand that going forward. So it doesn't mean dealer lots are never going to have foot traffic again. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying a percentage and probably a bigger percentage than anyone's uh, expecting of consumers are done going to their dealer to buy the car. They will be waiting for the car to be brought to them for test drives and then brought back with all the paperwork for them to sign. And they've never gone anywhere near a dealer yeah. lot. And um, Paul, uh, I want to ask you last Obviously, the way we do our job, like testing the new cars and going to the presentations at the test drives, I think that's going to change forever too. Like we're going to have more digital, more Zoom calls <laughs> instead of auto shows, for example. What are gonna be, we going to be doing? You know, more Zoom calls. I don't know. Only half of my butt remains permanently numb. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hoping to set some sort of Guinness record for, you know, the numb behind award we, we've been talking in, in some pretty broad strokes here but but to carl's point and and uh, to some of the others who have commented this pandemic has just made wholesale changes in the way that we and in, in this group here are exposed to the vehicles that we get to see. I mean, we're all very blessed. We get to go to launch programs and we get hands-on time in the vehicles and access to the engineers and, and designers and everyone else. While the auto show industry, because of what Carl was talking about, with the methodology by which people purchase their vehicles and look at vehicles, already had the auto show groups uh, from the major shows, from, from New York, L.A., Detroit, secondarily to Chicago, and, and I spent 20 years there in the management team, so I watched this very, very carefully. There's just been wholesale changes in that. I don't know that we're going to see another auto show in the way that we've seen them before. It all started a year ago. You'll recall that Beijing got canceled, and then Geneva got canceled, New York got canceled, and, you know, just you know, all the way down the line. And... You know, we think of them as media events, but the retailers in those markets and, and the retailers in the marketing departments at the manufacturers used to look at them as the ability to touch the customer. Well, now that model has changed uh, for the, the huge cubic dollars that it used to take to produce whatever a manufacturer did at an auto show. That's out the window because the digital marketing guys, uh, marketing guys at whatever manufacturer it might be, he's going to sit there and he's say, okay, look, you were going to spend $3 million on this 20 minutes of, of news conference during the media preview of the Abu Dhabi auto show. You give me that $3 million and I'll identify who likes our cars, who's a conquest sale, who's a potential conquest sale, who's a loyalty sale who's looking in our segment, who thought about it last Thursday. And I, I can put that message in front of them five times a week, and it's just going to change the way that people are, are, are doing that. And from the manufacturer's side as well, until all of this gets cleaned up, 
how in the world are you going to invite a half million people into an auto show to see, touch, feel vehicles all with hard surfaces? I mean, you can't have the product specialist there with big bottles of Lysol yeah. wiping, wiping down the cars in between every person that w- walks through. So I, I see a, a demise, if not, frankly, the death of the auto show as we as we know it and also as consumers know it. No, I, I agree with you. I think things are going to definitely change. Uh, I think in the short term, maybe till summer, I think uh, they're going to still be very limited. And hopefully in the second half of the year, we're going to start going back to some kind of quote unquote normalcy, which will be different from whatever we knew like a year ago. When all of us were probably, I don't know where you guys were, but like I, my last trip was to Canada with the Volkswagen Atlas across the, the shorter version. Um, so hopefully we'll get back to that. So thank you very much hey, for... Uh, I mean, just, to, just, to, just as an addendum to that, while we were on the phone here doing this, the, think about this. I mean, the way that the Formula One season got changed and IndyCar got changed, Long Beach just said, we're not going to be the first or second event in, in the year the way we traditionally have been. They are now going to be the very last event of the year in September. So they've changed their entire uh, date yeah. schedule, too. So every, everything's all up in the year. Well, um, yeah. So I'm gonna, I want to give uh, everybody the opportunity to say like a last message in this uh, panel. So Anton, go ahead and thank you for having for being with us. Yeah, I just wanted to comment very quickly on what Paul said a moment ago about the auto shows. There is, of course, a very elegant solution to this, and that is that those who are afraid somehow, uh, they can stay home. Uh, They have the freedom to do that. Just uh, allow normal people to do what normal people do. So that will solve everything very beautifully and elegantly. So that is my contribution to that. Thank you. Michael? Yeah, thanks for having me on, everyone. I think a great discussion, great conversation. We could have continued for several more hours. And uh, my last two cents would be the fact that COVID has really turned the world upside down in 2020. It's now 2021. So uh, everything, considering that everything has been disrupted, uh, everybody, including the automakers and the industry, is willing to try just about everything to see if it sticks. So uh, looking for some new and exciting things in 2021. And uh Hopefully, I'll be in another podcast with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lauren? Well, first off, um, this group got together, thankfully, right as COVID started. And we are all friends. We all love hanging out together. And we see each other at events. We all gather together and have a drink. And I look forward to doing that again. And uh, it's always great to see people in person, see executives in person, see cars in person. And the disconnect, I think, from this past year has caused people to find their friends, uh, maybe their enemies, but it's great to have you guys as all friends. And I look forward to seeing you all as we all live in different areas of the world. Now, Anton living in a different area of the world. Um, But uh, I'm excited about uh, getting back together with people. I think that's the biggest thing I think we're missing in 2021. Hopefully we'll bring that as well as some cool cars and hopefully we'll get away from some of the boring product that manufacturers are trying to shove at us. Yeah, for sure. Carl? Yeah, um, a lot of the same themes. I just feel like we've come through a tough time. Uh, there's been some upheaval. I, I, could, I could speak 
personally about some upheaval in my life from the past 12 months that uh, at least was technically tied to COVID. Uh, Harley and I know know more of the backstory there. Maybe maybe we'll do a, a, a show on that. A separate podcast. Yeah, that'd be a different podcast and all. But the bottom line is that um, it is 2021. There is a lot of change coming. And hopefully uh, what's true, uh, uh, what they say about change that's true for us, which is change and disruption also means potential opportunity. And um, I think there's going to be some very new things going on in 2021 that should be very opportune for uh, a lot of the people on the call right now. And hopefully the people who are listening to this podcast as well. Absolutely. So, Paul, you got the last... 30 seconds. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm vacillating here between being uh, positively uh, negative or negatively positive. I, I, I look back over, over the past year, I, I know that the gatherings that, that we do as a group on Thursday have become one of the highlights of my week because we, we do miss our colleagues and we do miss that sharing of ideas and the exchange of information that, uh, that's so vital to all of us doing our jobs. But uh, I also have to say that with uh, the potential change of administration, I think that we're going to see a completely different model coming out of D.C. that's going to affect every vehicle that's out there. And, uh, and that, that'll be, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll make great copy. I know that. But, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. But to, to put a bow on it, I've. I love you guys, and I value your friendship and and respect you as colleagues and look forward to a great 21. Excellent. Yeah, me too. And everybody, please go go uh, out and uh, grab a drink, and let's uh, toast for a much better 2021. Okay? Thank you again, and we'll listen to you, or you will listen to us next week. Thank Thank you you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com. 